right man as the road returns welcome back just want a quick disclaimer remember that this is the, the opinion of carlos Tavares, <laughs> not of the rescue company one or any of my other employers this is just you know what i think and uh you know sorry if i offend anybody you may get offended there may be some fucks and shit that gets said here so if that's a problem i'll turn this shit off otherwise welcome Ryan, how you been, man? I'm good. I'm uh, recuperated. Yeah, man. It was rough the last one, dude. Oh, man. It was rough the last one, man. Uh, glad to be back. <laughs> so no guests today, man. Just me and you. Just being, you know. Cool. Um, I've had some uh, a topic written down that I wanted to do since, like, we started the podcast. And just, you know, I have a, a bunch of topics. Cool. But I'm just going off of this one right here because I think it's important. And it's uh, all about mental health, man. Okay, cool. And, and it's it's dear to my heart because I've lived it. I've lived a bad day. You know, I don't know. But your story is ridiculous, but <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been at Wits End, man? Have you ever been at that at that point in time? Uh, yeah. I mean, I can think of times as an adult, as a child, um, quite a few times, man. But uh. You look back at them; those are defining moments, you know. Um, but yeah, I've been there. I mean, man, you know, like the the you start reading the news stories and any of the blogs and any of the and the stuff that goes on with uh, first responders, EMS, firefighters, police officers, um, especially with police officers right now. It's tough to be a police officer and force yeah. the law and do you know their job, man. It's it's, it's crazy, and you know, I'm a big Rogan fan. So I listen to Rogan all the time and, you know, like his last five or six at guests that he's on there, it's been a topic. Like it's usually like the first couple of things that get in there and he had this mental health expert on there. She was awesome. I wish I could remember her name, uh, but she was unbelievable. She was talking about the different things that affect, you know, not just first responders, but just military guys. I mean, and you being a military man yourself, it's just that the, the help isn't out there. I think I think the health the help is there. Um, I think the biggest stigma that most people deal with is they're afraid to be seen in the light that they'll be seen in when they reach out. Yeah, so it's hard to go get help. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, And it certainly shouldn't be that way. And I think we're definitely getting closer and closer to that day and age where it's men more specifically aren't um, looked at in such a negative light anymore when they come. You know, when they're open and, and vulnerable and put themselves out there in a position to actually heal and, and learn how to deal with whatever they're going through. And I think that's a, just that stigma alone has been a huge impediment on the, you know, that evolution of just, but even, even so, man, like, I, I don't think the resources are there to do the amount of stuff that you need. Certain, yeah. And it's, and it's been like that forever. You know, it's like, it's, you know, just a little bit of help sometimes isn't enough. Do you need more? Yeah. Support system and, it is. It's unbelievable when you're just alone and you feel alone and you feel like you can't get um, ahead of stuff. And then you get to that point where you just make the decision to it's like it's done. I'm, I'm finished with it. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know when I get to thinking about topics like this, I and talking about how different people come to different boiling points and uh, and turning points that kind of just make them act out of character or do things that they wish they wouldn't have done or. Um, there's so much of all of, of that that could be resolved when you, um, 
come to a certain level of understanding how important self-accountability is. And I think that's one of the things that we have failed to to harness and teach that would be a big game changer in the in the whole mental health like realm. Um, yeah. We 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 always we have this idea of I have an issue, I'm feeling a certain way, I need to reach out. And more times than not, you don't need to reach out to anybody. You need to reach in, man. And that I I, I figured out the worst things that I've ever been through in my life, nobody has ever been able to help me. Nobody, nobody can help you through the hardest parts of your life that you're gonna think the things that you have to tackle. They can be there for you. They can make sure you don't do something stupid when you're trying to figure out what you need to do. But I think ultimately you can only be guided and directed. And at the end of the day, it takes self accountability and um, just introspection to like you know kind of figure out how to deal with those mental health issues. Now you you know you've been in uh, you've been in the war, Ryan. You know, right? You know, like um, how bad? Like for somebody like me that's never been in the military, is you know never probably even been in the situation you've been in. Like how how like your worst day there? Like what did it seem like your worst day there? So as many times as I've <laughs> almost been blown to pieces, my worst day I, it wasn't even me. It was when it happened to somebody else. But for me, um, I don't know. It's uh, I'll give you an example of one of the times I think about a lot. I was working in this prison, and my buddy Jason Fowler. What's up, Fowler? <laughs> uh, yeah, a few of us almost got blown to fucking smithereens that day. And we're working at this prison, and I remember... We had we were doing something and Jason was outside. He was walking in, and uh, I was hanging out in the in the cell block where all the detainees and stuff were at. And we had there was like this the building we were in was right on this dirt road out in the very corner of the post on Camp Liberty in Baghdad. And I remember just hearing like it was a very common noise like you hear the mortars coming and like when you first hear them like your first instinct is like okay I'm listening for is it coming from in front of me or behind me but uh anyways um but yeah we were uh at the prison and these three mortars came in they just walked them right in just boom 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 and this entire wall that I was I had literally been on this dirt road just walked into the the cell block and right after I walked around this corner through this doorway and into this the cell block, my buddy Jason was still outside down the road. And these mortars just peppered the whole wall right on the other side of where I was standing. Like had I been right on the other side of that wall where I just was, like that would have been it. And I just all I was thinking about was fucking Fowler. Heck, Jason, he's out on the street. <laughs> and we fucking just laid on the ground for a minute, waited for that to finish and I remember looking over at the detainees and they're all in their cells, like looking at us, like what the fuck's going on? And we're just like looking at them, like what the fuck's going on? And, um, but anyways, uh, Jason comes in, guy's shaking, fucking shaking. I couldn't believe he was alive. (laughs) He he was standing like probably five feet away from this mortar had landed, but he, the mortar had happened to land smack dead center of the ditch right next to the road he was walking on. And so it landed like four or five feet beneath ground level right next to him. Um, but had it came, you know, two feet over one way or the other, would have landed at, you know, ground level and who knows. But anyways, I think about that moment a lot because it was just one of those like really close moments. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I don't know as far as dealing with those, it just comes to a kind of ties me back into what I was going to say earlier, man, is when you know what your intent is and why you do what you do, the things that lead to mental health issues don't lead you to mental health issues. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of my thing. It was like, okay, I see what the issue is. I see why people could be, you know, you have the whole PTSD thing. And a lot of guys went through some more fucked up shit than I could ever imagine of going through and have had to do things that I've never had to do. And they had to deal with things that I can only imagine how to deal with. But I do know a lot of guys who have been through those types of things. And at the end of the day, you know, they know what their intent was. And regardless of what they did or had to do, you know, they take accountability for that. And they knew, you know, it's it's easy to come to uh, an agreement or a sense of um, just uh, being okay with whatever it is that happens to you when you know that it's it's just a part of who you are. And uh, yeah, it's I don't know. There's no mental health issue concerns. I don't think when you just do that when you figure out I'm here because of this. This is what I believe in. And I know that these are the sacrifices I'm going to have to make. I know this is the fucked up shit that can happen to me as long as I'm aware of that. And I know that that's going to be the thing that takes me or that's going to cause these mental health issues. And I need to be aware of that ahead of time. Then there's no issues. But again, it just ties into knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because if you don't, man, you're going to be surrounded by problems. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. You know, um, when it comes to EMS and stuff, I it's amazing that things that bother people bother some people and the things that don't bother others and right. and, I, and i've been and <laughs> through the the 20 years of, of being a fireman in the city of orlando it, it was amazing to me like the stuff that bothered me that i would be upset about most people didn't give a fuck about yeah <laughs> and the stuff that would upset them i didn't give a fuck about them so i'll give you an example like you know um at for mo pretty much my whole career that i was on units that were just shitty like it was busy you know rescue seven on the west side i spent about 16 years on that truck you know and and, you know i would say that like i don't count the non-transport years as as busy but they're still busy man like originally when i got to city of orlando the rescue does all the reports so you're the paramedic on the rescue you write all the reports we used to do handwritten reports you know like it's not like an old man now (laughs) right so handwritten reports um, you did the cooking, you went and got checks. You had to, um, you know, on, pay, on paydays, you went and got the checks and you did, took them to the stations in your district. You know, um, deliver mail. You did everything, man. You, you're just a bitch. And, uh, and uh, man, what a fucking fun time because it's just you and your partner, man. And usually yeah. the engineer driving you then was, you know, some dude who's been around a long time. You know, um, man, I rode around with this guy. He's a division chief now. Actually, not the deputy chief. He's like, you know, the third dude in charge, second dude in charge, whatever. It depends. Um, this dude, awesome, badass dude, man. I saw this guy disarm two Haitians. <laughs> they were fighting each other with machetes. I swear to God, it's a true story, man. We go to these, uh, you know, uh, assault in progress or some shit. You know, we're like, man, are we supposed to even be in? This dude's such a badass dude. <laughs> And he, uh, we won't say his name, but he he knows if we, if we hear people talk about it. Most people know probably it is. But, dude, we that dude drives into a fucking crowd where these two Haitians are about to kill each other with machetes. And, you know, I'm Dominican, man, so I know what a Haitian could do with a machete. Those dudes are <laughs> surgical with it. And uh, 
man, he disarms the fuck out of him. Like just, and I'm locked in the truck screaming <laughs> like I'm being attacked. I'm not being even being attacked. They're not even close to me, but I'm like, fuck, man. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I got the doors locked, <laughs> calling for backup and help. And people like, stop screaming on the radio like a big bitch. And you know, but this guy's a bad fucking dude, you know. And then uh, the dude was the best man of my, you know, my my uh, my first wedding. I guess you know my last. You know, when I got married the first time, he's one of the best best friends I've ever had is this older guy. And this dude, like when I become his partner, he's been 16, 17 years at the city of Orlando. Probably at another like six years to that, he worked at another department before he came. And a guy named Ray, his name's Ray Dixon. I'll tell his fucking name. He's fucking awesome. Everybody called him Farkle because he's this red hair dude. With a big red mustache, it looked like Yosemite Sam, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's a brother of ours too. He's amazing, cool. yes, yeah, like, you know. But uh, it's this older dude. They're like, "There's no, we mean this guy got nothing in common." But man, were we best friends? Taught me everything. I, but the reason I survived in the fire department is because of this guy. And this dude would drive people fucking insane, and <laughs> and I would always play his. You know, he's my partner, so I always back his move up. But he made right. fucking cheese with be pissed off at him and shit and it was just why are you following this dude's direct that's a chief this is my partner you know so um he got me in a lot of trouble <laughs> nice. uh but he's a funny dude but you know when i work with these guys on this real shitty truck i would always look forward to coming there because no matter what happened that day how busy we were what we had to do I was with, you know, a guy that, I, you know, this guy was going through it with me the whole time. You know what I mean? And, like, I didn't think of that there was an easier option. I was still, you know, I was an 18-year-old guy, you know. Yeah. And as an 18-year-old kid, it's like, man, I, I'm getting to do what I went to school to do. Like, imagine that, man. Like, imagine going to school to be a firefighter paramedic and getting to do that every day. Like, oh, yeah. going fuck fight fires, you get like awesome EMS calls and you're the guy making the calls, you know, and you're like, fuck yeah, man, this is the shit. And so to me, if you beat my ass with 20 calls that day, I got 20 opportunities to do yeah. what I went to school to do. Certainly. So the bullshit calls didn't bother me. The regular, to, to me, a bullshit call was like, all right, cool. That's cool. Cause that's an easy report. Right. Right. That's less shit I got to write. So I just developed this, I guess, callous, if you want to call it that, carried on for 20 years and like that the things that would give me anxiety this is what i was getting at with like was like if you sent me to a station didn't run any calls i'm anxious make me upset and like as a young man man that happened to me a couple times where i would get floated someplace it was just and it's been it was the longest 24 hours of my life where i'm there i'm just fucking thinking about shit you know what i mean you know you then you fast forward to um we get this chief. He wasn't the greatest chief ever, man. He's just a full-on asshole. And um, he decides he's going to go against the union contract and just just send everybody wherever the fuck he wanted to send them. And, and it's purely punitive. And then he goes, well, we're doing it because, you you know, trying to get people that have been busy their whole careers to not be busy. And he sends me to a station, like, where I don't run any calls. Um, you know, on paper, it looks good. It's like you're looking at 10 minutes from my house versus, you know, 20 minutes from my house, whatever. But for me to sit there for 24 hours, n n fucking not be able to do anything, 
damn, dude, fucking pure torture. Yeah. <clears throat> pure fucking torture. And in that period of time, I'm going through a lot of shit, man. I mean, Ryan, I'm going through some shit. So they send me to this station, this 14, and uh, and I'm there, man. And I'm going through a bad time where, you know, I'm going through a divorce. You know, going through tribulations, like just trial and tribulation, man. And, you know, that's... Few mo- you know, it's a few months after this whole Pulse thing. My best friend is going through a lot of stuff with the fire department, you know, and it's like, you know, I'm carrying his weight for me on my back, and I feel horrible, you know. It's like this is my brother. And, um, man, I get off of work one day, and I have, like, a stretch. We have this thing in Orlando called a Kelly Day where you don't uh, – it's your shift day, but you don't go to work. So I got my Kelly Day, and then the next day I got to be – at the helicopter is we're looking at, you know, I got like four days off, you know what I mean? So I got four days of thinking, dude. <laughs> I don't have my kid for those four days. Um, um, I got nothing, man. I've just got nothing but me sitting at the house. And I remember this because uh, Josh was on vacation. And, you know, like when I felt bad, you know, that's a good person I could always lean on. You know, I can always ask him shit, you know. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people think, you know, there were a couple and shit everywhere we would go because <laughs> me and that dude been through a lot, man, together, you know? And yeah. uh, I know I talk about him every show. Eventually, we'll have him on here, you know? So we were talking about that today on the phone, man. <laughs> and, um, you know, Ron, I'm going through some shit, man, and then through my head, and then uh, make a decision, bro. Today, that said, in like two days, it's done. I'm going to kill myself. And I could tell you, man, that in those two days, I, when I make that decision... I felt really good. I felt the weight fucking off me, bro. Like, I was like, fuck, man, I feel great. Because I know there's an end in sight. Right. You know, there's an end in sight. So, I mean, I feel fucking great. And, um, you know, God sends you weird angels, man. Weird as fuck. I don't know if I've talked about this before. I've talked... Have I talked to you about this stuff before? Uh, you know, and it's like, listen, man, it, this is uh, this is crazy. If I've you know, you know, I mean, fuck, people gonna listen to this, but you know, man. So check this out. I had agreed to the reason I'm off this stretch of days is that I switched a helicopter day with this guy named Rob, who works with me at Aircare, and uh, Rob and me switched days, and like, um, I, I don't know what he had that was going on that was so important, but it was fucking important. Well, I'm in such a bad streak of shit that, like, a week earlier, I had switched days with somebody else. They needed me to work their days, and I don't show up for the day that I traded. So I, they end up calling me, and I end up getting there late, you know, and stuff. And so the boss at the time, when Rob switches a day with me, she tells him to go, hey, make sure this dude's going to show up, because if not, you're showing up for that right. that day. Um so this dude has got something important, you know. I don't know if he's asking somebody to marry or whatever it was. And, uh, but, dude, he must have called me, like, the week before. Hey, remember, you're working for me on this day. You know, and then a few days before, remember, you're working for me on this day. So we get to the day that I'm going to do it. And I told you, man, for a couple of days, I felt good. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I wake up that morning and it's like, it's time it's time to kill myself. You know, today's the day. And then I'm trying to go to different ways that I can do it that won't be hurt. 
there won't be a mess. I don't want my son to find me. You know, it's just different things, man. I'm going through and I'm going through plans and stuff like that. And, and you know, when you got so much stuff going on in your head like that, um, a day goes by pretty quick, dude. Yeah. So it's like eight o'clock at night. And I get this text. Here's my angel, Rob. He goes, hey, dude, I really appreciate you working for me tomorrow. Just please make sure you show up. And then right then and there, I go, well, I can't kill myself today because <laughs> Rob's right. going to be fucked up tomorrow. And, and, and uh, that was it, man. Like, I real fucking stupid is this? And, you know, I went to work. And, and then the next day, I went and got help. I went to this dude named Bob, man. He's that dude's a fucking star, man. And I seen Bob when I was going through a divorce, you know, with with my ex-wife at the time. And he's a, but the dude's man, what a fucking awesome, unbelievable human being. He's a, with the employee assistance program, you know. And and Bob, man, he just fuck, dude. He 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 just just listen, man. Non-judgmental. He just fucking listened to me, and he was like, dude, you know, he just. And he and and I I saw him so much. I think with the EAP thing, you're only supposed to go like three times. But he never told me to go away. You know, I'm right. just you know came would come back. I would talk to him, and eventually I went to other groups and other therapy and stuff. Started getting help, man. And it was just amazing, dude. That uh, um, there, there's a lot to be said for therapy, man. Yeah, I absolutely a lot to be said for therapy, dude. Um, I was you know lucky enough to get help lucky enough to have an angel that got sent to me and luckily enough that i do that that i mean that guy doesn't even know he saved my life but you know uh, he you know just that that text that thing is huge that's yeah it was huge to me man and it just saved me bro and i'm here today because Mm. and you know i swore as I was getting better and going through therapy that I would try to make sure that I would be more attentive, be more open to just keep my eyes open to people that may need me in my, in my line of work because I started make counting, man. I know like seven people that do the job that have killed themselves. Yeah. Seven people, man. One of the biggest ones in the Orlando Fire Department was this guy named uh, Matt. Uh, he's a chief. This is this guy named Matt Negley. And a lot of people in the area, a lot of people in, in the fire service here in Central Florida, and, you know, even just out of there, knew the guy. The guy was a big teacher and, you know, uh, was real into sharing information and just, you know, just, just, you know, and just promoting the fire service past that and just seemed like the happiest dude ever. Seemed like just... You know, you never know what's going on behind somebody's back. And he had some personal things going on that nobody even knew about. The guy never even shared it. And then the next thing we know is this guy killed himself. Yeah. And it's, fuck, man. What the fuck did we miss? How do we miss it? It's pride, man. That's somebody, it's a tough thing to talk about or to recognize. But I think it takes a huge amount of pride to be able to kill yourself and not give any clues off it take that takes thought somebody somebody who doesn't pridefully in, in intend to kill themselves will give off plenty of clues i think somebody who is hurting and wants to ask for help but won't they'll they'll go out of their way to not 
let people know what's wrong with them. And that's what you have to look out for because those are the ones that you're like, how, where did I miss, man? Like, dude, I said some nasty things about that dude after he killed himself. Some nasty things. Uh, you know, like, I may have never been in, like, I, me and that dude, we we had, we had came out at the same, around the same time. He was, we were like a class apart, but I knew we were medics class together. And uh, he's a little older than me. I was an explorer around him. We worked for uh, Altamont Springs Fire Department at the time. And, and, you know, I knew the dude, you know. It's like we were, like, we were inside, I was best friends with the guy or anything like that. But I knew him better than, than some people did on the department, you know. And you get hired with this dude and, you know, we're, we're you know, have that kinship of being a couple classes away and then knowing each other for the fire department. I felt bad that I didn't wasn't able to spot anything. But at the same time, this dude offs himself. I'm thinking about the same shit myself. Right. So then I go, man, like, <clears throat> I realized that I wasn't giving away the same signs and, like, that none of this shit, as, as much as we could try to predict it, you can't predict on who's going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck, man. It, it is it's just serious. Yeah, and I think probably the best thing, I know for a fact, the best thing that we could do to address the issue is to, as individuals, be open about our experiences because the best thing you can do to forgive somebody else is give them something to to show them and to prove to them like I've been there. And the only way you can do that is by telling a story that shares your experience that they can't help but relate and you know resonate with that so like you know you telling your story and um i guess i didn't think we'd be talking about this but you asked me earlier about you know i I told you my worst time wasn't even something that happened to me it was something that happened to somebody else and my ex-wife when we were in iraq um my first deployment long story short um we were deployed together or my second deployment rather um we were deployed she got fucked up um we were like working on our marriage all sorts of shit and things fell through we were supposed to go out and leave uh go on leave together but we didn't um ended up taking off go home to the states by myself when i'm home i find out she gets blown up damn near like killed like it was horrible and i wasn't supposed to find out um because i was stateside and that was just you know for operational security for all sorts of reasons but a buddy of mine reached out and told me because he knew i was going to want to know but uh I broke down, man. Like I was, I was so lost because like I, I, I had no answers, man. And I was on the other side of the world. You know, my ex-wife or my wife at the time, we were still married. You know, damn near got killed. Um, she didn't want to talk to me. She didn't want to look at me. And all I could do was think about it. It was crazy. But yeah, I remember sitting in my room back when I got back to Iraq shortly after this whole thing, and I remember sitting there and thinking, "I'm gonna fuck, blow my brains out, bro." And I sat there on my bed, and it was the only time in, that I've ever really considered it and really thought, like, hopefully someone comes and knocks on my door and stops this. Jose <laughs> came and knocked on that door, man, my roommate. And I was sitting there with my back against the wall on my bed with my rifle in my lap, 30-round mag. Jose came in, and that was it, bro. It was it was crazy. He didn't have to say nothing. He just interrupted my whole life came back in the chains after that man. that was it bro yeah and uh so yeah i go back to that like and before that moment you know i've looked at people who've talked about suicide or considered it or as i guess in a sense weak but that was just me not recognizing that i could be there too yeah absolutely and 
once you get there, man, and you come back from that, you're like, I get it. You know, like as strong as I think I am, you know, but it's yeah, man, it fucking happens. But and you know, man, as long as I've done this, like, you know, we always get the call of the person trying to kill themselves and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes it's a call for it's an attention getter. You you, you could tell the people they're like, yeah, yeah they're, they're they're in a bad way, but they didn't mean to do this. They were just trying to get somebody's attention, you know, and it's just. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, it's like, damn, yeah, I'm fucking, talking about if Jose didn't yeah, come home that day. Yeah, man, yeah. you'd be dead, right? You know, I don't get the text from Rob. I'd be fucking dead. And it wasn't an attention thing. I don't talk to anybody about it, man. I've it never told just, this story before. Oh, no shit. Huh? Maybe there might be one, maybe two people somewhere that have heard this. Yeah, but. you know, I've told it, I've told it before. I've been pretty open about it because. I want people to know that, like, you know, if they're feeling bad, that there's somebody they can come to. Yeah. And like I said, my, my reason, the main reason I bring that up is because I believe the number one way we can address mental health is for somebody who's got these issues to look at me and be like, to understand that I've been there. Um, because people are so afraid to open up, man, because they're afraid of what people are going to think about them. The more we open up and just, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me, bro. Yeah. And I, what I want is people to look at me and be like, I'm glad he said that he has given me the ability to look with inside myself, to be okay with being vulnerable and to just let go of my pre, you know, conceived, yeah. you know, whatever, Absolutely. and just, you know, want to learn and, you know, just become better. And I, we just have the opportunity to, to give that to other people when we understand that and embrace that. Yeah. You know, there's a lady, um, Renee, um, God, what is her name? Renee. Wait, oh, go ahead, go is ahead. she an author? Yeah, vulnerability lady. She always has those podcasts. She's got like um, a bunch of like TED Talks and stuff that talks about being vulnerable and stuff like that. Brene Brown. Brene Brown, yep. Yeah, she wrote a book. Uh, I've read a few of her books. Uh, but yes, I know, Brene Brown. I'm familiar with yeah, her. Yeah, she's awesome, man. Yeah. Like, and she talks about, you know, the, 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 the amount of bravery that it takes to be no. that vulnerable person, you know. And it's funny, too, because... Uh, a lot of stuff she says is, uh, is a, you know, David Goggins, man. I love listening to that. Oh, dude. yeah. But a lot of stuff she says is the same shit that David says, but, like, in a different way. You know what I mean? So, like, she appeals to certain people where David Goggins appeals to other people. And you, and you talk about, you know, just what it takes to get out your fucking head and do what you need to do. Yeah. Get out your head and do what you need to do. Um, I do think that... that um, mm. The leadership that does a lot of the stuff we do sometimes get, and it's not, it's not that they're being mean about it. It's not being assholes, but they get so stuck on doing what they got to do. Numbers, check this box, this box being checked, this thing. And they forget that the biggest tool they got, the biggest commodity they got is that fucking person in there. Yeah. You know, in the helicopter world, patients don't treat themselves. Yeah. You need that medic and that nurse, that doctor, respiratory therapist, whoever's back there. You need that person to do that. And the, and the fire department will saws don't start themselves. Searches don't get done by themselves. You still need that fireman to go do it. Or firefighter, firewoman. Right. And, you know, like, that's the stuff. You, you need that person. That's your biggest tool. And that's the thing that you should pay the most attention to. You know, and it's just sometimes it's the last thing that gets paid attention to. Yeah. It's just bad leadership, man. You know, in the EMS world, the fire service world, the helicopter world, we're doers. You know, people that do this job are doers. So, like, we'll we'll just let stuff get piled on and they'll go, hey, hey, we need this to be done. Copy, boss. I'll get it done and add it to the list. And a lot of times you end up with this long ass list of yeah. tasks to do. And 
you're overwhelmed and, you know, shit's, you know, dripping into your um, home life. And, you know, you're doing work at home and then you're doing stuff and then you're just like, fuck, man, there's never a day off beyond this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's fucking nuts. And uh, in the uh, in the helicopter EMS world, there's this group called ECHO. Um, it's Every Coast Helicopter Operation. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. We do some training with them. Okay. As the rescue company one, we do all their, uh, do their water egress training and stuff like that. And um, they it used to be Every Coast, uh, it used to be East Coast Helicopter Operation. I'll they Google changed, it. And they changed their name. <laughs> they changed their name. Like, it's Echo, well, most people know them by. But the people that run that, it's an all-volunteer organization. They, it's uh, four flight crews, five flight crews. And they host a, uh, they do, they do like conferences and the, it's law enforcement helicopters. Uh, they, they have military division, um, critical care, medical division stuff. And, um, do they have a, a group of people that when there's like an, a crash that happens, people die, they go there like as a, just like a peer support type team that travels around, you know, it's like freaking awesome. And they go there and they offer, you know, hey, I'm a flight crew member. These people are trained. They've gone through like some type of training. Um, and it'd be cool, you know, hopefully in the future we'll have some of those guys on. And they can talk about kind of like the training and stuff that they've done. Right they on. do have a, their own podcast too called the Rotor Wash Podcast. And it's pretty good. Cool. I listen to that's the I listen to, you know, I think I've missed an episode. So re- really decent uh, work that they do. And uh, one of the things that, that, uh, that I find awesome about it is that if you're an ECHO member, right, um, and you quit your job, your flight job, because they were trying to make you do something unsafe, they and and I'm not going to say the amount of money they give you, but they give you money to at least be able to buy groceries and shit while you're looking for a new job. That's cool. Can you, that's, that's they fucking, they, don't, yeah. they are legit. They're out here legit supporting things, and it's like, I find sometimes that that people don't understand what it takes to be out there. And this seems like a great job. It is a great job. It's phenomenal. We get paid to fly around a helicopter. But the pressures and the stuff that get put on some flight crews a lot of the times is outrageous. Yeah. The pressure to fly, the pressure to go out, you know, and it's just like, yeah, we can say no. I heard this podcast. I'm not gonna mention it, man. But this dude that does like uh, this crew resource management, he's and he's a really good dude. He talks, but he said something during the podcast. It just got me wrong, right? It just this is where all this topic came up at. This dude was like, these people that died on this crash, they should have known better. I won't mention the crash. I won't mention where it happened. I don't want anything bad going back to this dude because he's done a lot great for the community but just the what he mentioned like he goes in this day and age you should have known better to say no and be turned around but you don't know what the situation was that those people were in at the time yeah it's real easy to say that ron is like hey man three to go one to say no we all know that we all know what we're supposed to take flights in and not take flights in and be responsible for it but Damn, man, what if your helicopter's about to get closed down and you're a single mom and you know if you piss somebody off, they could fire you from this job? What about that pressure that that, that person in that aircraft may have been thinking about the time? That's, that's maybe why they didn't say fucking no. And they went, even though they knew it was wrong. 
And if it wasn't for the echoes and the places like that that that, that support people like this, like then, you know, then, then we have a lot more deaths. But for that guy, I lost all respect for him that day, man. I lost all respect for him. I've taken classes from this dude. I've listened to him. And when he came up and he was going to be on this podcast, I was like, man, this is awesome. And I'm listening to him and people are agreeing with him, man. And I'm upset, man. I'm almost crying here, bro. Like, I'm telling you, bro, like that so upset me because it was a crash that I was close to. And I was like, damn. They even spend time to try to look into these people's story before you make a comment like that. Or to even fucking make a generalization of it and realize that, that who knows what these people were going through at the time that they took that flight, what they thought. You know, like, to make a comment like that, that's just ridiculous, man. To me, it's ridiculous. It's insensitive. And it's just, it's a tragedy, man. To kick around the dead. And to me, that day, the same thing I felt the day that I that I got the news and I saw that these people died. I felt that same way when that man said that. So it's like going through it all over again. And what people don't understand is, is if you, there's people that fly just, you know, they want the job, they want the flight suit, and that was it. But there's the people of us that just, we live it and we eat it, we breathe it every day. And, and we try, you know, to just, hey, this is a dream come true for us. And we want to make this dream come true for others, you know, and. We take it fucking to heart every time we lose a person. Yeah. We take it to heart every time we lose somebody like that. And just this guy, man. Like, yeah, I don't want to lose any more people either. And I think, you know, the tough love and like the, hey, you know, you make the good, make the right decision. Well, yeah, I want to teach that too. But I ain't going to fucking call out the dead like that, you know? Yeah, there's a, I understand his, his, angle but yeah you gotta it's a very delicate way to dance around that you know and yeah i mean it's it's, it's insane man it's absolutely insane yeah and certainly and you just never know what somebody's ultimate deciding factor is and it's just like man like, you could never have imagined that or thought of like that person had all the right intent you know and you know, I think with this 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 uh, podcast and stuff, one of the things I do want to tell people out there is that if you feel the pressure, in certain, you know, they feel the pressure, and you feel that something is going on that is not right, you can speak up. Not can you're supposed to. You're supposed to speak you, up. You have a moral and ethical obligation to intervene when you're. To stand by idly after the fact and complain about something when you were the one who recognized the issue while it was happening and to not have done anything about it, you are just as much as part of the problem through omission as the other person is part of it through you commission. Know, you know, though, the way you say it, Ryan, and this is not put you on the, on the spot or anything like that, but the way you say it is you got to realize one thing is that that you only get the chance to speak up because most of the people that fucking go down in, uh, in, in this industry... They don't get a second chance, dude. Right. And that's certain. That's where you got to be careful because you speak up and you get fired. You get fucking canned off the team. Or you die. Or you, right. You You fucking died. And and it's like. um, Well, I'm talking about in the sense like speaking up to, you know, for whatever you're seeing is wrong or whatever. Yeah. No, absolutely. Don't justify any deviance. Right. 
Yeah, they don't right. justify any fucking deviance, man. Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tracking. So, so you know, like, let's say you get a flight. Weather is marginal. And you get, one of my things is, you know, this, this, this happens to me now from time to time, where we'll take a flight and the pilot will go, hey, you guys are going to have to be fast because this is happening. And I say, well, hold on a second. How fast is this happening? Because if I'm not going to complete the mission, there's no need for us to go take the flight. There's no need for you to push because well, that's where medication errors are going to happen. We're going to lose lines and tubes and shit. We may fucking be flying under minimums at some point. <clears throat> so I'm going to say no. So right off the bat, I'll ask, I'll go, hey, can we complete it if it takes me two hours? If it's going to take me two hours where we're going, can we still finish the flight? Yes or no? It's a yes or no question. If it's a maybe, then no, we're not going. And I've said that before. You know, and I'm the first dude to go, let's go take a flight. Right. You know, I've said that before, you know, and it's like, man, I've been that, <laughs> bro. And I've been in places where I've gone into the helicopter and the motherfucker's been closed down. Been a letter that, hey, we, we're closed. <laughs> Put your stuff in this UPS box. Like, I've been fucking bases that closed down because of volume. So, yeah, man, like, I, listen, I've said no. Fuck, have we only flown twice this month? No, if it's not the right flight to go on. But I haven't been in this position of other people that, you know, shit, man, I really need this job. I really need to keep this volume up. They're going to close this base and I'm going to be out of a fucking job. Got kids to feed. All that shit, man. I, shit, listen, man. Those are all things I understand, and like the the guy you were talking about who made the comment that he did, like I thought it was pretty insensitive to make it in that blanket statement and vagueness without, um, you know, pointing out the fact that you understand that there's a whole other side to that. But I I think ultimately, I I completely understand how okay yeah I've got all these things I got to think about. Do I say yes or do I say no on this flight? Well, I want to say no. Because I know the right answer is to say no, because I know that the safety of our, myself and my team is paramount. But at the same time, I got mouths to feed. I got, I'm, try, I'm not trying to keep my job. I'm trying to whatever. I think, and I don't mean to seem insensitive at all when I say this, but this boils back down to that whole um, taking full accountability for what your actions mean and what your intent is. And if my intent is to make sure that I put the safety of my team first, then I need to make sure that at no point in time do I ever justify an answer where I have to deviate from that simple principle of am I allowing myself to deviate from safety for the sake of anything, anything else. And that's not to be cruel, but that's just one of those things where it's like, that's what allows me to stay true to my intent. That's what allows me to not have people question me when I do make my decision. When I say yes, they know what my intent is. When I say no, they know that this man says yes anytime he can say yes. If he says no, don't fucking question him because I know what his intent is. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where I stand on it. And you have to talk about and deal with those things very delicately because a lot of people have the right intent but don't have the right thought process. And then you give them a certain example and they're like, okay, I get it. Like that guy, like maybe now he hears this, he would be like, man, I probably shouldn't have fucking said what I said the way that I said it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And you know, like the, the, um, 
that others may live. You know, they, yeah. they, that that's a whole thing, right? So, so there's inherent risk in this. Certainly. Absolutely. You could do everything right and still have this shit that happens yeah. and you die. And there's a lot of accidents that have happened that way. They were doing the right thing and just fucking sheer luck or bad luck, whatever you want to call it, man. They, they you know, they, they met their, their maker. But it's like, dude, like, I'm going to try to do everything I can to make sure that I can get to the person that needs me at that time. Certainly. Certainly. You, it's like almost to our detriment sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, I, if I'm going to jeopardize anybody's safety for the sake of somebody else's, it's going to be my own. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to put your safety at risk unless you're willing to put your safety at risk and then we can go do this together. Yeah. But well, like, what well, is a team, right? You right. can't treat people by yourself. Right. Like, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm down and you down. It's cool. Let's do this. But I'll never put you in a position where you don't, where you don't realize that I'm jeopardizing your safety. And it's based off of my call. That's either egotistically or just, ill thought out you know um but yeah so like if i ever decide i'm gonna go against the grain as far as safety it's gonna be i'm gonna make sure the only person i'm gonna fuck up is me while i'm doing it you yeah know? no absolutely <laughs> and you know it's a fine line that we have to tote to when we're teaching yeah you know uh, when we're here teaching as a rescue company and stuff we got to teach the right things um and i'll give you an example because me and you've had this talk before this is yeah. a good thing I, I had it written down as a note so we had this conversation we were teaching a class me and you and it's our, like our survival day, long day during our air medical class. Yeah, last day. Uh, yeah, well, it's not the last day. It was. Uh, it Wasn't was it? that Thursday that we we go the long. We go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we go into the night, you know, and they have different tasks they have to accomplish, and then we navigate to you know one of our favorite bars. Like literally navigate. We're calling like, uh, you know, uh, due east, due east, four hundred meters, four hundred meters, <laughs> and not many degrees, and all that stuff, and people. Do you know we try to do the best we can for you know, especially we started doing this like uh, we had to change it from going into the woods when we would normally do it because of the COVID and the woods were closed. Believe it or not, they closed the the wooded part, excuse me, <laughs> they closed the wooded part down for yeah. So, anyways, so we get to a point where somebody was talking about if during like a water egress situation where. We're, you're you're part of a crew that's carrying a patient and you go into the water. It should you rescue the patient or get your before you know and get your or you can get yourself up. And you know, the 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 answer is is no, you get yourself out. Right. You get and that's that's the the answer we're supposed to give people. Right. That's the answer that we have to give people because the reality is and we've seen it as comfortable as some people are, like I'm buckling and doing all this other stuff, there is no time to get the person out. There is no time. Like I, people, you can have the best intentions in your mind, but when you start getting to the end of that area you have, you're going to jet out. Certainly. Um, and, and and that's just that. I think that the, the, the research shows us when I was putting the class together and did do, you know, and I've been teaching this stuff a long time. The research just shows that if you go back to try to rescue somebody, more than likely you're going to die and become a victim yourself. And uh, so we get in. You you say, well, uh, I can't quote you. Well, go ahead. Uh, one, of, well, one of the students had asked um, basically something along the lines of, hey, you know, let's say 
we landed in the water, we're going down, you know, yeah. like, do I, what do I do with my patient? And I don't remember the exact context, but my answer was something along the lines of, you know, of course, everything I say is I'd like to throw out there. It's circumstantial. Um, but um, I also like to, uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe reiterate my my motive when I'm talking about this. But if I see if let's try to put this in the context, basically, you said or he said uh, under no circumstances, do you go back. Right. It was just like you just go to the yeah. surface. Yeah. And in my head, I think I was thinking like non from not from like the, the teaching standpoint or like the medical standpoint, yeah. but just from like a. Uh, um, almost like watch too many like hero movie type you know perspective it's like okay well I'm going back like that's that's my thing and so, <laughs> you know what's funny is is that was I did I get upset about what you said no like like uh, I didn't and that was one of the greatest thing and the things fucking hilarious about it is is that um, you had done something earlier that pissed me off <laughs> and, and I don't remember sure. actually right now I couldn't even tell you what that was you know cause it was just it's those moments where I was like, God damn it. I told him to do this one thing and it didn't get done. Okay. And I can't tell you, uh, I'm trying to think of actually what it was, but it was like, it was, it was my new thing. And I'm, and I was going to be like, I'm going to get in his ass. I think I done this. And then I don't get in your ass after. Actually, I do remember what it was. It was something about like the bleeders or something like that. Okay. And so I'm happened with the bleeders. And I was like, motherfucker, man, we've had bleeder, the, these bleeding um, machines that we have that show people, you know, spurt blood down and stuff we've had issues with those <laughs> where we've ruined paperwork and it shit gets all over the place there's something about that that i was pissed off about okay and uh and then uh and i was like man i'm gonna get in ryan's ass about this bleeder shit because you're the only one he happens to be the only dude that's actually read the instructions and knows how to work the motherfucker <laughs> so but then you said that and you, and you thought i was upset about what you said but i, I wasn't upset about that and, and i actually found it funny because the way you said it i still remember it I said, I agree, I agree with 99.9% oh, yeah. of what Carlos just said, but I got this one thing. That's what I, it was, and yeah. yeah. And I go, I go, that's the funniest shit somebody could put it in. But, you know, I think then like a few weeks late, like a, like a week later. We were sitting right here. Yeah, and you brought it up and yep. we were talking about it. I was like, nah, I ain't pissed off about it. Because, you know, man, I, 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 do, I do appreciate your uniqueness. And I do appreciate the... the uh, your your ability to just point out shit that somebody else may not say, and I'm only comfortable doing that because I I'm comfortable with someone telling me I'm wrong when I do it, and like and that's a great quality. Like that's dude. my greatest streamlining process of like self development is like say what's on your mind. If somebody can correct you, like be open to correction and fucking yeah, you know, you, know. It, it, you may come out like an asshole. You oh, say certainly, that, you know, and you even say and yourself, yeah, and you've I've, been canned before from jobs with being honest and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. Um, but you know, how can I go around telling people about being honest and being this open person and doing all that shit and then shit canning you because you said you you expressed your opinion? You know, so no. So that's welcome here. Opinions are welcome. Um, I may tell you shit the fuck up at times, you know. Right. I mean, and, you know, I don't think I have. But you know, like But I came back to you like it was we had that conversation after the fact mm-hmm. and I brought it up and I was like, Hey man, you know, like I said what I said, the whole ninety nine, you know, percent thing, whatever. And but I was like, hey, I thought about it after the fact, and I wanted you to know, like, hey, man, I, I see how it may have looked like I may have been stepping on your toes or undermined your authority. Yeah. And that didn't really cross my mind right at the moment because my my initial thing was like, I want to make sure this guy has um, the right state of mind when he's making these decisions. I wasn't thinking about how you might think I'm overstepping my boundaries. And then no, after the yeah. fact, I did. I came back. I just wanted you to. 
yeah. know that I'm thinking about those things and like, hey, man, you know. And, you know, Ryan, I think that how we tie this back into the whole mental health aspect of it is, is that that openness should be welcomed. Yeah. The the uh, the opposing opinion should be welcomed. Um, uh, discussions should be had. And people should be okay feeling that they can express what they need to express in, a, in, in this work environment. Because if they keep it in, eventually it festers. It's going to pust. And and, yeah. and, and and then this is where the bad feelings come in. Certainly, yeah. And, and you should be, it should be okay to say, I'm not okay. Yeah. I need a day off. I need to be, I need to go. And those things need to be, be opened up to, you need to be open up to that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think bosses need to look at that. And I understand that we have a responsibility to the public to be in service. But there's times that you may just have to be out of service for things. You know, you know, Ryan, um, let me give you a situation here. And, and this is, you know, it's probably not hypothetical. It's, it's real life. So let's say that there's that there's a person you work with and this person, you know, they're they're that person has been around the program a long time. Um, and maybe not the most skillful person at times, probably an asshole, you know, fucks with people and just, you know, tries to show how great they are, but they're not that great. You, you know what I mean? They're, you know, they, they got just the, the, that person that, that you could, the only thing you can count on is the fact that that dude shows up to work every day. Okay. That dude or that girl is going to show up to work. You know, and they're going to give you mediocre work. They're going to do just enough not to get in trouble. But let's say that that one person one day calls you and says, hey, man, I can't be here today. Something's, something's up, man. I need I need today off. I, I, I'm just, I'm not physically sick, but my mind isn't here. How do I respond to that? Yeah, you're the boss. Every, again, it's circumstantial with everybody, but I'm going to simply look at that individual and be like, is this out of character for them? If, is, if it's, Yeah, that dude shows up to work every day, all the time. Every time he's got to be there, he's there. Okay, well then, me as an individual, I know when I'm the leader, my guys have always known they can come to me. You know, I've had soldiers yeah. in the military. I've trained different guys. Um, I've never had to find out what was wrong with my soldiers from another supervisor. You know, like I know what's up with my guys. So if... As me as the leader, if I have one of my guys and normally he's acting like you say and he calls me one day and he says, hey, man, I can't come in. My first thing is going to be to just make sure that um, that he knows I'm there, that if he needs anything, let me know. Um, and he will already know that up to this point. And um, I'm going to give him whatever time he needs if it's within my power and simply just check in on him and make sure, you know, I'm there if he needs me and just yeah. address that. And uh, there's. A time I would say no, a time I'd say yes, but you know it's all handled accordingly and circumstantially. But as long as he's not, uh, as long as I don't feel like I'm being taken advantage of, um, and you know I, you've developed a, a, a relationship with me, and I have a sense of what your intent is. I know when I'm being fucked with or screwed over. So, so here's the choice: Do you put the helicopter out of service right then and there, right now? Oh, so that okay. I'm sorry, I didn't that understand. Dude's on duty. Okay, so we're talking about we're, no. What you said was important too. You know, it's good, the good stuff. But okay, so this, this guy's supposed to be flying. Phone. He's he's at he's on duty. Okay, and he tells you I'm not good to be here. Well, we're not. We're probably not going to fly. Like if You're he, if service, he right? yeah, if he can't, if he that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. It doesn't yeah. matter what 
I'm not going to try to change his mind, no. whether it's a stupid reason or not, yeah. that you just gave me everything I need to know that I'm not yeah. putting anybody else in jeopardy yeah. because of your state of mind. Yeah. So, so I, I, I've, I've witnessed this. I've witnessed like, you know, we do these, these, uh, evaluations and I'm not saying this is the current place I work at now is or where I've worked at before, but I've witnessed this and I've talked to people They go through, you know, we're supposed to do this. I'm safe check. You know, you know, am I, if I have I eaten, have I, am I rested? Do I need medications? Uh, All this stuff, uh, free of alcohol, all the things that make you supposed to, you know, have or not have to be at work. Make sense? Right. Right. And and you do that. And then all of a sudden you go, man, like per this checklist, I'm not good to be here. Right. Right. So now um you go hey boss i'm not good to be here now you're saying that really because you believe that or because per this well, checklist no ryan but that's the thing where that, you that, go right there that's you go, right the- we're supposed to fucking really do this we're supposed to look at this list and go i'm not good or i'm good to be here right we're supposed to do it twice a day well that's new the new doing it twice a day before we every place i've ever worked at we've only done it once when you come in out to work right and uh, we just changed that at, at uh, my current helicopter room at to do it twice a day, which is a cool thing. What I'm saying though is like, come, like you're supposed to really do this list. Pilots are supposed to really do this list. And if you ain't good to be there, you ain't good to be there, right? Right. Supposed to be honest. But I bet you more than likely, most of the time, and I'll tell you myself, I've gone into work hungover before, not rested. And, you know, I've stayed, right, I, I, you know, because I'm like, I'm, I'm still good to do the job. You right, know? right. Right? So, but is it the right thing to do? And the right thing to do is to say, no, I'm not good to be here. I need to go home. You know, I'm six hours post-drinking, not eight. Right. I'm not drunk right now, but I'm hungover. And that's crazy, man. I'm going to tell you the one thing. I said, you know, I, 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 I had one nurse. She doesn't work with us anymore, but um, I went to relieve her one time, and she knew me, man. She knew she knows me, <laughs> and I come off a hard night of partying, man. And uh, she's flat out called me out, dude. She said, "You ain't good to be here. Go home." And I went home sick because I wasn't right to be there, man. And I was honest with my boss too at the time, and I thought she would have chick hand me too, and you know. Um, She's not my boss anymore, Karen. You know, so I thought she would have fired me. She didn't. She's like, she appreciated the honesty, the fact that, you know, and, and it was one of those like, hey, I'm I'm happy you were honest to not be here and, you know, and you went home. But, but don't think you can do this every time. Uh-huh. So you got to have self-responsibility to know that the night before you, you got to know when to stop it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, ever since that day, I've walked in feeling puny, but not because... I've been drinking the night before or something like that or, you know, or um, uh, usually the CrossFit kicks my ass or something before I go in. I'm fucking post-CrossFit in the morning time just hurting, Um, you know, and it's just but I know that the night before I'll stop. I'll stop, you know, 10 hours before, you know, this is it and uh, not come in, you know, hungover or anything like that. And, you know, the fire department one of the things they instituted right before, as I was like towards the end of it, and they caught a couple people on it, was they would make you blow into the breathalyzer. 
that you you would get these random drug tests that they were doing and part of that was you know they were testing for alcohol and then like they caught a couple people where they were still over the limit and one of the dudes that uh, they got caught you know and was you know for me however like the, their calibration was off and their stuff is wasn't right so the test wasn't legit but damn you know like that scared the fuck out of me because like yeah. that's a fucking fireable offense right there yeah you know you could be fired for that you lose your nursing license for that shit so I'm always super cautious about that and making sure that I'm fucking not gonna blow hot or be you know cause damn dude like stop it's, it's that easy right. stop drinking 10 hours before you're <laughs> supposed to go to fucking work be yeah. responsible enough and I learned my lesson because you don't ever get chances like that sometimes. Right. You know, completely learn my lessons on that. Um, but to finish this up, I think that, you know, we need to be more heads up with our coworkers. We're the, we may be the only thing that these, that think keeping this person from. 100%. Doing things that they're not supposed to do. We need to just make sure that we take care of each other. Be our brother's keeper. Treat everybody keeper. the same. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you... I think it's one of those, like, it's those strange things, but it's like, if you can walk, I want people to understand the idea. So somebody to say, oh, here's somebody who's having a, a shitty day. Let me go, let me go uh, interact with this person and, and be a better person to this person than the person I've been through the rest of the day. And that intent is like, okay, I get you. I was like, but if you really want to do the right thing, I was like that, what you're thinking about and going to do it for this person, do that for everybody all day long. Yeah, like, even the one that's not your best friend. Right. You know? Yeah, just, you know, you may and not when, like them. And when you start to do that and you operate from that perspective, like you start having the types of thoughts and experiences that you can't have, that you will not have until you think that way. When you get rid of this, oh, I'm going to treat this person this way, this person this way. No, fuck that. Treat yourself the same. Be the same person at all times, at any given point, and always be true to your character and share that experience with others. And then that what you feel when you start doing that, like that's when you're really to when you're really in a position to help people and bring people out of the the places that they're in in their life where they they need some light and they're just buried in darkness. Like yeah. be one hundred percent open with everybody, have nothing to hide, and everybody will see that. And they can't help it. You don't even have to show it to them. They just see it. Yeah. That's what, and, I, you that's know, what I want people to know. You know, it's funny because one of our, you know, we we kind of bastardized the uh that that uh path of the righteous man from pulp fiction you know is one of our things here and i love that and the reason why is because it just like speaks to me when you you know um i don't do any justice like samuel l jackson does it you know <laughs> but is that uh, for you guys out there that don't watch any movies you know as he goes he's up the path of the righteous man it's beset on all sides by yeah. the inequity and the i don't have it memorized the path of the see. righteous man is beset <laughs> on all sides by the inequity and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of righteousness shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness. For he's truly, for he's truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. That's yeah. awesome right there. Oh, absolutely, man. Right? So, you know, he'll strike down upon thee with great <laughs> vengeance and furious anger. I'm those who besets my brother and you'll know I am the Lord when I lay my hand upon you. Absolutely. You know, that's some badass shit to say right there, man. Yeah, man. And that's a that's <laughs> truly kind of like a, a place I try to operate from, man. I feel like I have almost like an insatiable righteous indignation to Yeah, do the right thing for everybody yeah, else. Right? You know, or don't let it 
don't let that not happen to somebody else. Like, don't let me catch you lying to somebody or taking advantage of somebody in front of me. Like, if, if we're in a circle of friends or whatever, bro, I'll call everybody out, man. Like, I ain't got time for that. Like, if we're going to be doing this, like, we're, we're going to all be on the same page. We're going to be open. We're going to be honest. Like, I'm just that person where you either have to shape up or ship out, man, because I'm either uncomfortable to be around or, <laughs> or, or, or I help you uh, help me bring the best out of me, or I help oh, bring man. The, like Ryan says some funny shit, right? Like it's a we. I love your quirkiness, dude. I, I love the I love your differenceness, man. It, it's it's uncomfortable to be around. You could be. Oh, I am. Like, you, you I know, try. you're like the king of safety sometimes. You know, like, yeah, I'm not going to ride around in a seat, not ride around in a seatbelt. But well, I respect that. <laughs> so what we do, you, you got all-time shotgun all the time. You know. I, mean, I hate that, though, but we'll, yeah, we won't get into that. Yeah, man, but that's, but that's, you know, we appreciate everybody's differences. You know, and, and, I've, and nobody, no fucking body can ever say that I don't, that I don't live the words that I speak. Right. Because you're fucking witness to it. Anybody else, the things I don't, just fucking come hang around here because it's always others before self. Yeah. And that's the way it is here, this company, right? Others before self. You guys come before me. You guys always come before me. You guys always eat before me. You guys are always going, I'm going to make sure you have before I have. And there ain't a single one of you guys hasn't said, man, you haven't been given to. Yeah, I'm into that. So, so that's like, you know, I live that shit, man. And, you know, anybody out there, if you feel like you're at, you're at that wit's end or stuff like that, you don't know me. I don't know you, but damn, my information's up. You find me and you just give me a call, man. Well, we'll fucking talk it out. Yeah. We'll talk it out because, you know, I, I do know what it feels to be alone. Yeah. Certainly. And that sucks, man. And that sucks. And you got a lot to live for. Even if you're at that fucking end and you don't think that you do. You've got a lot of shit to live for. Hell yeah. You got a lot of shit to live for because you are in the position you're in because you're doing for others. Yeah. In this first response world, you're doing for other people all the time. And it seems like you don't do for yourself. And then if, to the detriment of yourself and just understand it ain't a weak point of weakness. We all get to a point where we just can't take anymore. Yeah. And that's it. You know, come get, ask for help, find it. There's tons of help out there, employee assistance programs. Uh, we talked about Echo, C-Check, seek them out. They have a um, a lot of a lot of good uh, access to help, and you know, so, some of these people fly fly themselves to places, you know. So that's all I got to say about that, man. As the rotor turns, we do definitely appreciate everybody that's been downloading the podcast, and uh, we're pretty new at this, you know, so. Um, it, it'll get better as we go, and it's uh, yeah. and believe it or not, a lot of times we do have a lot of plans when we start doing the podcast, and we have a lot of notes and things, but we do get sometimes pretty shit past <laughs> <laughs> our notes, and uh, it's pretty organic at times, so it's, that's why it sounds the way it does. <laughs> but, um, please down keep downloading you know we're on every on all the different platforms right yeah now, we're, uh, better than me. Yeah. they can check us out as far as the podcast on uh, amazon music uh apple music you know itunes spotify stitcher Podchaser. um there's a whole list of them. there's i mean really top like the top 10 15 uh platforms where you can put your podcast on we're on there you know and all the big ones google podcast cool um 
I mean, yeah, so we got the big. And, and you know, like the big thing is we do appreciate the downloads, but we also do appreciate if you just, you know, rate rate the podcast and Oh yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah. You know? and, and like, you know, only to get better or, you know, do the um, you know, click it on the thing. That way we can get through the algorithms and the podcast gets out to more people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you, know, you know, enjoy the content. Like yeah. you hit those five stars. Every time you interact with us, whether it's through a like or um sharing a comment or sharing anything, uh, like you said, that go goes into the algorithm and it pushes our stuff out to other people and who I, are and i think too the whole thing is is that you know they could give us five stars and they don't really have to say anything that means anything you just put what you know yeah i mean you could if you want just hit the five stars and click submit and we'll take it we'll take it and then or four you know yeah. whatever and then we're on facebook <laughs> and uh yeah facebook instagram um and, and the big thing with YouTube. those yeah it's just like even if you watch one of our videos on youtube just give it a thumbs up because that does make it a big difference yeah absolutely on there um, if there's something on the YouTube that offended you, we would appreciate you sending us an email or something first and don't complain about it to the YouTube police because... Yeah, right? Let's handle this at the <laughs> lowest level, you know? Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll fix that if it offended you. Yeah, so just, you know, just the, you know, we'll fix it. We'll do the things that they have to do so, you know, we don't get banned because it is important for us to be able to get our information out. Absolutely. So um, with, that, with that being said, uh, as the rotor turns... See you next time.